0: For the week of May 3rd, 2020, this is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars TV and Disney Plus streaming series, as well as all the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. Today, we are reviewing the 11th episode of the seventh and final season of The Clone Wars. Shattered, in which Ahsoka's plan to escort Maul back to Coruscant is disrupted by the Sinister Order 66. John, what did you think of this episode?
1: Hands down, uh, this was the most enthralling, engaging, foreboding, emotionally tense episode of Clone Wars that's ever been released. Uh, I don't think there's many people that would probably argue with that. At least that's how I feel. Maybe, Maybe you feel different, but I was really blown away with this.
0: There is so much to talk about in this episode of the Clone Wars. Oh, my God. Like, I don't know how to explain this. We were so prepared for Order 66, yet so unprepared for what unfolded in this episode. I feel I I feel at a loss for words here. So why don't we get into this
1: episode? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Break it down. Where do you want to start? So
0: once again, we have this Avengers (laughs) in-game-esque type of opening where it's very gloomy and doomy. I mean, just the score that they have done Mm -hmm. on these last two episodes have been really uh, great at establishing the tone of this entire episode here.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, we got to start thinking of this as a piece. This really is a a movie, and that's why we're not getting much upfront uh, exposition or anything to try and rouse us. There's no need because we're coming off of one scene right into the next. The, the tone that they set right out of the gate of just everybody um, sort of tending to their wounds and the, the calm on the battlefield after the battle is over the way that they established that and the amount of sort of just foreboding and just how uneasy everything feels. It was so effective. Everyone just kind of knows that there's something descending over the galaxy and, They were able to convey that without words. And I was just really taken aback at at how effectively they were able to let uh, the scene unfold. This was really effective stuff. And I really, really enjoyed it.
0: I mean, the introduction is similar as well to things like the uh, Harry Potter series, the Deathly Hallows, those two part movies where it feels so similar and it captivates the audience in such a similar way to where it does feel like I should be sitting in a cinema watching this piece unfold because it is so wonderful. It is so great. And it really does do something for the audience. But man, I mean, just opening up with that kind of uh, like just sad tone. And then, of course, seeing Mandalore being in ruins. I mean,
1: Mandalore, it's Mm -hmm. already pretty messed up. It's interesting watching these scenes. I I kind of alluded to it uh, a minute ago, but they're saying so much without saying anything. And that's very rare, especially in fair. That's geared more towards kids where you feel like you got to spell everything out and you can't let subtlety. Uh, sort of just exist in the scene, this is really leaning heavy into just conveying a feeling and letting everything in the scene serve that. And you're allowed to fill in the blanks on where everyone's at emotionally. And that is so much more fun to watch because nobody's spelling it out. Nobody's saying, I'm sad. This was hard, right? Like you're just not getting anything that obvious. And that's why this is so compelling. That's why uh, if anyone's only watched it once, go back and watch it a few more times. This just gets more engrossing each time you, you run through it. So. Uh, high marks on just the um, the restraint and craft of letting this episode be what it is. It is not your typical Clone Wars fare. It, it, it felt like it was handled by someone that just really, really loves this moment in Star Wars lore and really wanted to give it as much heft and meaning as they possibly could.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And especially through the lens of Bo Katan, she was someone that I really focused in on in the, mm-hmm. the second viewing where she's not really saying, like, she is kind of saying what she feels, but you're also seeing there's more to it. I mean, you get this sense that everyone kind of thinks that the war is over or is coming to a quick end, right? Like, they all, mm-hmm. they all have this feeling like, okay. Like, we're in this phase where we're, like, transitioning now. But even with Bo-Katan, like, she's struggling with that. She's like, all I've ever known was war and, really, destruction. And so now here we are in this this kind of transitioning period. And for them, especially, and then, of course, for the Jedi, it's not even close to being over. Like, there's <laughs> a whole nother phase coming.
1: She kind of seems... um like she's questioning whether she's got any other purpose. I don't think she thinks that she's like a peacetime leader or that she's going to be able to take on the mantle of, of leading kind of this new era for the Mandalorians. And so there's, there's something being said about that. And I I understand kind of how that unfolds because her reign is sort of short lived because she is such uh like an aggressive wartime general that she can never sort of stop the fight. And so she very quickly um, gets on the nerves of the burgeoning empire. And so the empire turns their attention to Mandalore and that's kind of what kicks off the next phase of, of darkness in their culture. And I think she just kind of understands that maybe she's not the right person for the job, but there isn't anyone else. And uh, what fun to add that kind of context and, and layering into this kind of clone wars fair.
0: Well, and then if you thought that this episode started with kind of the this cold undertone or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> it gets even worse from this point because then right. Ahsoka gets interrupted by Captain Rex, who tells her that the council is ready to basically debrief of what happened on Mandalore to get her input to to figure out what the status is of this mission. And that mm-hmm. Anakin Skywalker is in this meeting and that she has an opportunity to talk to him. But that opportunity is lost here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really kind of neat how they intercut all this because this is lifted right out of Revenge of the Sith. This meeting takes place from a different vantage point in Revenge of the Sith. And so it's very clever how they're able to work the timing where as the characters are exiting and entering during the version of the conversation that happens in Revenge of the Sith, they're not overlapping what you're seeing here. Right. So. Anakin, you know, he he gets dispatched and so Ahsoka doesn't see him and uh there's another I think it's either Cody or who's the red one. There's another clone trooper that's reporting in during the Revenge of the Sith uh version of this scene and he kind of like exits right when Rex comes in and it's just it's really neat to see them uh handle that with such care that uh you'll never watch Revenge of the Sith and see anything where they played fast and loose with the timing they really like line this up just very perfectly with those events so that it all makes sense. You watch revenge of the Sith. You now understand that maybe there was more going on and there was more issues that the Jedi were trying to juggle at the same time, but there's no contradiction here. This doesn't trample any of what was already established. And you really have to map things out and be very delicate with your narrative to make sure that you, you handle that well and they're doing it. So again, high marks just kind of from the storytelling standpoint, but also a very effective scene of what could have been, if Ahsoka had been able to make contact with Anakin or if she'd been warmer with the Jedi and more forthright with what she had heard from Maul, Mm -hmm. if she'd given them that insight, would their reaction to Sidious have been more cautious? Would they have brought more Jedi? Would they have called Anakin back? You know, like there was an opportunity. This was kind of that crossroads where the Jedi maybe could have won the day if they'd rein things in and, and taken a different tact, but because they didn't have that one vital piece of information to help them make a wiser decision, they fall for the trap and everything in Revenge of the Sith unfolds so much fun. <laughs> it's, it's great to be able to expand the story that we've already seen so many times and uh, just make it all the more potent.
0: Well, and then you have kind of these continuity nerds that are out there who are paying attention to every single detail. And maybe at last week, a lot of people that have focused on continuity. And I'll be honest, I'm one of those people that if there's like the slightest thing off with continuity, I'm kind of back there screaming. like, wait, they established this in a previous thing. But the way they did this here to Mm -hmm. even to the attention of little details on the tone of Mace Windu's voice when he uh, when he basically briefs the the council that he senses a plot to kill the Jedi, the way his eyes are focused in everything is so similar here. And then also how Ahsoka enters this conversation where it's established where, okay, if she knew about this whole plan that Anakin was going to be, you know, the, the Sidious apprentice here. She would have briefed the the council, but the council is also shut off with her where they're expecting her loyalty uh, right from the (laughs) beginning. And they kind of put everything back. What they, did, they kind of threw it to the side to the point where Windu is even cold enough to say, I'm sorry, citizen, this is a conversation for the council.
1: Well, sure, I suppose that's fair, but Ahsoka is the one that drew the line, right? Like all along, even though it was a really dumb situation that led to her being ousted and, and disenfranchised by the Jedi, she was welcomed back and she's the one that decided to walk away. And then in this scene, again, she doubles down on that again, Yoda's basically saying, Hey, as far as we're concerned, you're a Jedi. Are you telling us otherwise? Like by all means, like let's, let's get in sync here and let's get back to what's important. She was welcome to the table there. She's the one that drew the line and said, Nope. You know, I was doing my duty as a citizen. Don't think that we're good yet. And because of that little bit of, uh, pride maybe, or just, um, her dwelling on maybe her wounds a little too much. And then the Jedi on their side of it, uh, having a little bit of hubris and a little bit of arrogance too. Uh, you've got the worst qualities of everyone in this scene, sabotaging what could have saved the galaxy. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then it's, it's kind of
0: a mishap. Like you said, on both ends here where they're yeah. both kind of holding back. They're both like, oh, I got some information that might help you. Everyone but- wants to
1: hug and make up, but nobody's going to make the first move
0: right yeah and and so this is so tragic because we know about this like we know how this all unfolds we're concerned about ahsoka not telling the council and rex is kind of the voice of the audience here where rex is like hey how come you didn't tell them about this like you knew something was going on what's going on here and for for on her defense she also is still kind of denying this she's like anakin skywalker he's he's my big brother here of course he wouldn't do what maul is saying this is just stupid it's silly whatever she's kind of blowing it off because she's kind of in denial
1: she's in denial but also is there any reason why you should take what Maul says at face value the the Sith have a reputation for being manipulators and liars and so I mean you can't falter of course she has her own reason for being quick to want to reject that information but I mean as far as reasons go Maul's not really you know the the best character that you want to be taking things at face value from so Again, there's there's just a lot that makes sense, right? When you actually think about the story and everyone's motivations, everything tracks. There's a lot of stuff in this kind of genre and Star Wars is as guilty of this as anything where you kind of have to just give them some leeway to make some contrived decisions that are out of character because it gets you to the next set piece or, you know, it makes for more fun action, but it isn't necessarily what those characters would do based on what's already been established in this episode, it feels like they've been pouring over this script so long that they've sorted out all of the finicky little details and let everybody play their role as established. Mm -hmm. And that again, just makes us feel so good just as a, as a movie, as a piece, it just feels like so much care went into making sure that this was the absolute pinnacle of what clone wars could be. And I'm feeling it. I'm, I'm really digging the, the amount of effort that uh, obviously everyone involved put into this.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this could also be the argument to have whenever we talk about the future of Star Wars, like, Hey, just take your time. We don't need anything right, right now. Just
1: yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a broken record. This is what I've been saying as long as we've been doing this show. Uh, so yes, when, when Star Wars does take its time and something has had a chance to fully bake, man, it can be good. So yeah, more of that, please. <laughs> and then we get into this,
0: Transportation of Darth Maul, Mm -hmm. where Maul is transported by the Mandalorians and their cool little prison here. So we get kind of a piece Mm -hmm. of history where the Mandalorians have used this tool to enslave force wielders.
1: Right. Because one of the reasons why the Mandalorians are the Mandalorians is because generations past they had had to do battle with the Jedi. And so... They had to develop technology to make them the equal of force wielders. That's why they have jetpacks. Cause well, if a Jedi needs to get somewhere, he can jump pretty high and he can move pretty quick. And so they need grappling hooks and they need jetpacks and they need Beskar. They need everything possible to try and be able to go toe to toe with a Jedi. And part of that is. If you actually manage to capture one of those pesky Jedi, what are you going to do with them? Well, they have a force proof box, I guess, or, you know, something that is strong enough to uh withstand uh, a Jedi's powers. And apparently it's very effective because Maul doesn't seem to have any moves against it. It's only uh an odd set of events that allow him to get out of this mess. Well, and then you also have this
0: tool that I saw kind of pointed out on social media where they compared him to Loki in the first Avengers movie where they're not letting him talk. Well, of course, they're not going to let him talk because he could do the Jedi mind trick. We've seen this all unfold where they've especially to people like clones or stormtroopers that are, uh, you know, these kind of quote unquote lesser beings or less intelligent where you can hold them very easily. And so it was very neat to see. All of this attention, because, of course, the Mandalorians would be paying attention to this and they would evolve in their battles with the Jedi, which make me want to see this history <laughs> on screen somehow, because, of course, the phases would change like uh, it would go from handcuffs to, oh, wait, these guys are really good at talking out of things to don't let them talk to let's just put them in a box where they can't get out at all.
1: Yeah, I was getting some uh, Hannibal Lecter vibes from the way they had the setup. I don't know if you've ever seen Silence of the mm-hmm. Lambs or any of the other uh, Hannibal Lecter movies, but uh, because he is such a master manipulator, psychopath and and mm-hmm. genius, he needs to be transported in a straight jacket with a, a face guard on. And yeah, don't talk to him because he will mess with your mind kind of a thing That's that's kind of the respect and care that's taken when you have to move someone as dangerous as Hannibal Lecter. And obviously, this is the Star Wars equivalent of that. And uh, yeah, I I as an homage, I thought it worked. And and what you're saying, like with all the context of kind of knowing the lore of Mandalorian history, it all works. And uh, yeah, just more great stuff coming out of this episode. All right. Now we're getting to the point where I became rage
0: filled. I mean, as I watched it, <laughs> I became so angry and I know I can't blame the clones because they don't know what they're about to do yet. But Ahsoka transports Maul onto the ship. They leave Mandalore and she gets to the bridge of this, command ship here and as she's walking down the bridge in the clone wars the team that developed the series they know what they're doing like they're focusing on these individual clones saluting ahsoka as she comes mm-hmm. to the bridge all this stuff and that is so terrible because we know what they're about to do in like 30 seconds
1: mm-hmm. yeah and you've been pointing this out all season that every time cody and obi-wan have an interchange Uh, Obi-Wan remarks that what a good soldier Cody is or, you know, how loyal that guy is or whatever, just to underscore the fact that, yeah, this guy's going to aim a cannon at Obi-Wan and blow him off a cliff in a few days time. Uh, So, yeah, of course, they're going to want to make this as poignant a moment as possible. So, yes, having that heart to heart moment with Rex and them demonstrating like the depth of their friendship and their bond and the respect they have for each other and the camaraderie giving us that moment is going to make everything else so much more bittersweet. And that's of course, good storytelling. So yeah, good on them for taking the time to give us those moments as well.
0: Yeah. Don't even get me started on the dialogue between Ahsoka and Rex here because (laughs) she even makes the comment and it is so hard. It's like twisting the knife once again, where she makes the comment of, well, at least some good has come from it that you clones have been made through this war. I mean, it's just, it's so heartbreaking. And it's also heartbreaking the way they transitioned this scene into this kind of third act of this episode where hmm. we get the actual audio from Revenge of the Sith that has yeah. Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker, Samuel Jackson's Mace Windu. And then, of course, we hear this all unfold as the force is disrupted by this terrible act of Anakin Skywalker.
1: Yes. And I love this because this is as old as star Wars, the idea of a disturbance in the force, the idea of Obi-Wan collapsing because a thousand voices cried out and were suddenly silenced. Like the idea that a Jedi is in tune with the life in the galaxy. And so when there's a disruption and the amount of chaos and, and darkness and death and destruction that is now happening throughout the galaxy, all within that short period of time, that reverberates through the force and the jedi can feel that. And so we've had that described, but we've never been put in the head of a jedi while they experience it. And so, you know, you get the glancing looks from from Maul as he's starting to feel something. But he's not disturbed by it so much as intrigued, but Ahsoka is feeling all of it. Mm-hmm. And of course, she's going to be feeling the people that she's most connected with and the people that also have kind of a strong force resonance so to speak, like she's feeling the the impact and the emotional heft and just the the darkness that all of her friends are feeling. And it kind of makes that other hologram scene with the, the council a little bit more tragic too, because this is just moments or hours later that now she's hearing and feeling them all kind of be destroyed. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was a really uh, heavy and fun scene to absorb a fun in that, you know, I'm glad that I could experience this, uh, and appreciate the, the way that they let that kind of land on the screen. We've just never been that engrossed in order 66 before. And uh, I was feeling it. I, I really, really enjoyed how they set that up.
0: And then the first time ever, the thing that you brought up last episode and you were hoping that we would see is how this unfolds (laughs) for a clone who has been so loyal to their commander here. And we see this go through Rex and oh my goodness, was this so heartbreaking? I mean, his eyes are filling with tears as he is telling himself, resist him, resist him.
1: Yeah. So this is, Really, really interesting because up to this point, all we really had to go on as far as how this unfolds for Rex is what he says in Rebels, which is I didn't turn on my Jedi and I cut my chip out. We get a lot more insight on how that all unfolds here, but I'm going to take him at his word, even though obviously, you know, just physically his body is doing what Order 66 is compelling him to do. uh, You can tell that he is resisting with every fiber in his being. He's trying to force himself, will himself to not do it. And it's interesting that it it kind of appears that it works or just long enough for him to be able to try and give Ahsoka a heads up, you know, yeah. to maybe get out of it before he loses control. Like he can only hold the demon off for so long before it, it takes over. So I'm taking him at his word. I don't think that he was blown and rebels. I it, I think that internally he resisted it. And because of that, you know, it gave Ahsoka just the split second that she needed to be able to (laughs) figure out what her next move was going to be. And, uh, I just, I really liked it. I liked it that it wasn't sort of a cop out or something that happens off screen or something as simple as well. She's not a Jedi, so let's not fire on her. And, you know, like she just kind of sidesteps it without any, um, emotional stakes in it. Uh, This was a lot more satisfying than what I assumed they were going to do with it. So I'm, I'm glad that the folks over at Lucasfilm are more creative than me and and can come up with better ideas on how to tell this story. Cause I wasn't expecting just how um, intense that moment was going to be where he was going to have to basically do battle with his own mind. Yeah.
0: Well, and then we get Ahsoka kind of saving Maul here, but she's doing it in the thing like, hey, I just want you to basically cause a whole bunch of distractions, <laughs> yeah. get these people onto you, and then I'm going to get out of here because yeah. this is going crazy. And the fact that Maul sits there and laughs about <laughs> Palpatine's
1: plan, like he acknowledges yeah. how great of a plan this was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he respects a good chess move and, uh, he's putting the pieces together because as much as he thought that maybe he was next in line to be the the big baddie Sith, we know that Palpatine was working a lot of angles and, uh, he was discardable. It's interesting that even though he never got it from Palpatine, he was still able to sort of put the pieces together and understand what's unfolding and be in a way one step ahead of the galaxy on all this. So it makes you kind of respect Maul and respect his intelligence. He's not just this brute kind of what we saw in, in uh phantom menace where you don't really understand whether he's anything more than just a good dualist. Uh, this really paints a picture of someone that is thoughtful and smart and conniving. And uh, also someone that can hold their own, even when they're not given a lightsaber, he's pulling out all the Sith tricks here. He's tossing clones around like rag dolls. He's having the walls come in and <laughs> decapitate people. And he's just, He's causing mayhem, and uh, that was a lot of fun to see too.
0: The other thing that drove me to a different level of just sadness and rage was that these clones—they're <laughs> still running around with Ahsoka's painted helmet. Like they—they're yeah. still, they still have this on, and it is breaking me.
1: Yeah, no, they are definitely going to drive this point into the ground. That whatever loyalty the clones had, it—it's it, just not a factor at this point.
0: And then, of course, Ahsoka discovers the chip she kind of goes back to the records she's smart enough to do that I love mm-hmm. that they kind of you know basically brought that theme back that Ahsoka is a smart chess player like you said She she's kind of thinking back and, and strategizing while she's in this moment of turmoil or in this moment of kind of threat which a lot of Jedi really didn't get the opportunity to have here Right. and so she goes back and like okay I kind of remember something that happened uh, a while back ago so let me revisit that and so she goes back to the records and then of course discovers this inhibitor chip here.
1: Right. Well, the reason why she goes back to the records is because Rex says fine fives, right? Mm-hmm. Like he gives her just that one little kernel that she needs to be able to kind of figure out what's going on. Uh, we get all the exposition we need, right? Like we, they pull up the record where the Caminoan is explaining about the inhibitor chips. So she's able to put the pieces together and now she has a plan. She hasn't given up on Rex. She's going to see if she can salvage him because as much as his inhibitor chip is maybe preventing him from staying loyal, nothing's changed for Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. And we've seen if nothing else throughout the previous arc of the season that Ahsoka has that, um, you know, genuine loyal streak where she's going to do what's right, no matter what the stakes are. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of touching that she would be willing to go out on a limb here to try and figure out how to bring Rex back from the brink. Mm
0: -hmm. And while this is going on, We have Maul being very much (laughs) like Darth Vader from Rogue One, where he's just walking down the hallway. Like you said, he's using all of his weapons without a lightsaber. And this is also a very graphic scene that calls (laughs) back to
1: Rogue One and even the Mandalorian.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, there's an obvious homage there because they're trying to close the blast doors. It's, even some of the dialogue is and staging of all this feels very much like what we saw in Rogue One. I think I said mostly what I needed to say about this when I jumped the gun there a couple minutes ago, but uh, just more fun, satisfying stuff here and uh, creative, you know, to take the door and use it as kind of a floating shield and a lot of actual creative use of the force. Yeah. One thing we glossed over that I think is worth mentioning is when the clones originally turn on Ahsoka. She's deflecting their blaster bolts and you think she's just kind of like in the moment, just trying to save her skin, but she's actually one step ahead and that she realizes her only out is up and she's deflecting them up to create a, a hole for herself in the ceiling. And that's just really creative and a fun idea to come up with. And I, I just wanted to, you know, applaud Whoever it was that came up with that gag, because that's fresh to Star Wars that they actually use the bolts uh, for such a practical purpose there in the moment. So, yeah, you were saying Ahsoka is a chess player. Absolutely. She is one of the few Jedi that in the midst of being surrounded by clones post Order 66 was able to get the upper hand. So you got to respect the skills.
0: Well, and then after she captures Rex here, we see that she's trying to get this chip out. She wants to Mm -hmm. get the chip out, get Rex back. And then even when the clones open up this door and they're actually... About to kill her. I mean, if Rex doesn't wake up from this coma, she's basically dead. And a part of that is like going back to where she's deflecting these blasters up, where yes, she's doing that so that she can get a way out, but she's also not harming any of these clones in both right. of these scenes here. Like, she's not deflecting these blasters back to kill the clones, and she's definitely not in the second scene cutting down these clones that are coming (laughs) through the blast door she's actually just force pushing them backward which i thought was very interesting like okay ahsoka you're yes we get it you are the best person in the galaxy and (laughs) it was a mistake for the jedi to get you out of the council but i mean you have to cut these guys down to live
1: right yeah it's it's kind of interesting that we sort of see the maul approach to dispatching clones right before we see ahsoka's approach uh, obviously, they're saying in no uncertain terms that Ahsoka isn't going to compromise here. She's being threatened, but she's in this situation because she's trying to save a clone. She's not about to turn around and start mowing down all of her other clone comrades <laughs> to try and save Rex. She wants all of them to be saved, and she doesn't know yet whether maybe you know only a limited number have chips or whatever. Like it's it's Rex that basically reveals that to her. So she's probably thinking, okay, I'm just gonna make them bang helmets to buy me five minutes. And then maybe I can get their chips out too. She's, she's thinking I'll take the time necessary to clean this entire ship of chips. If that's what it takes. And unfortunately uh, the galaxy has other plans.
0: Yeah. And this is also the really cool thing about Palpatine's plan, where he didn't really just want these chips to be discovered if any droid started scanning the brain. He wanted to make it very difficult. And Ahsoka had to use the Force and gave the famous lines from Rogue One, I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. Which basically Rex even starts repeating, which I thought was really interesting and kind of opened the door to a lot of speculation as to what the clones can actually feel.
1: Yeah. So there's a few ways to take this and I'm still trying to figure out exactly what they were trying to say with it because that incantation, I took that to be a prayer of uh, people that uh, subscribe to the religion of the force, like in Rogue One. Ah, uh, you get cheered Mway saying it he's not significantly force sensitive, maybe a little bit right? like he has a good intuition for a blind person, so you get the sense that he is uh in tune with the force, but you don't get the sense that he's a jedi in right. that he could actually you know hone that into you know jedi level abilities, so I always thought that this incantation was sort of like trying to give yourself over to the force, letting the force work through you when you're not a Jedi. Like it's almost like a Jedi wouldn't have to say it because a Jedi sort of just intuitively has the force flowing through them. But regular people, if they try really hard, you know, they can sort of let the force work through them as well. And so I kind of thought what was happening was he was stunned. He was unconscious. Ahsoka needed to revive him, but she also needed the force to reveal something or to motivate him or to just act on him Physically or spiritually or whatever in a way to to reveal the chip and, and hopefully, you know, let something good <laughs> transpire in the situation. Uh, so she's helping to revive him and helping him to channel the force. I was interpreting it something along those lines, but I think they are intentionally letting this mean whatever it wants to mean to right. people because nothing's being stated here. You're just seeing this unfold and it's anybody's guess exactly what. Was being accomplished with all that. But one way or another, he comes to his chip, is revealed, and then, you know, they have an option
0: to save him. And this episode, of course, ends with Rex coming back. He returns to Ahsoka. He is no longer influenced by this inhibitor chip. It appears that it has been completely removed, hence the bandage on his head, I guess. And mm-hmm. then he reveals to Ahsoka, like, no. This isn't just me. This isn't just a handful of us. This is the entire clone army. This is a galactic threat. It's not just here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not only that it's a galactic threat, but it's already game over. Yeah. If the whole grand army just turned on their Jedis and Ahsoka already felt it, she's just having confirmation of what she already truly knows because she just experienced it. It's over. Darkness has descended on the galaxy and all they can do is just basically sit there and accept it or not accept it per se, but just (laughs) acquiesce in the moment. There's no more moves to make at this point.
0: Yeah, and this is also the point where we have one episode left <laughs> of the Clone Wars to see yeah. how it really is going to go down. I'm assuming this is going to be from Ahsoka's point of view as to her plan on what to what to do to get out of here. And so I've been reading the Ahsoka novel, and I won't get into uh, what has been established in that novel this week. But next week, we I think we're going to see what exactly Ahsoka does and the plan for her to survive for as long as she did leading up to rebels.
1: Yeah, I haven't read the Ahsoka novel, so I'm excited to hear kind of how everything lines up. Uh, So that'll be fun. Um, But yeah, we, we don't have to accept that there's only one episode of clone wars, but I guess we are just going to have to acquiesce because it's going to happen whether we like it or not. And uh, yeah, I'm going to shed a solitary tear here because these last few episodes have been so fun that, You really don't want it to end, but I guess all good things. Well,
0: and we definitely don't have to wait a week. So that is the nice part is this episode is going to drop on May the 4th, which is just a few days away. So Mm -hmm. if people are so eager to hear from us before then, John, where can they find you?
1: (laughs) uh, I do the SNL After Party podcast. We are covering SNL's at home broadcasts. They've been trying to adapt their format during the quarantine to put out some comedy, and it's uh, very compelling and interesting and historic, and we've had lots to say about it. So if anyone is interested in sketch comedy or SNL as a comedy institution, by all means, check us out at SNL After Party on any podcast app or at SNLpodcast.com.
0: And you can find us on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk. And, of course, by emailing us all your speculation, question, or comments at hello at StarWarsTVTalk.com. You can find the rest of our episodes on our website at StarWarsTVTalk.com. And by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy, please hit that subscribe button. And you can find our network of TV Talk shows at TVTalk.fm. Thank you so much for listening. And may the Force be with you always.